I'm Kiana Zarati, and this is the Van City Podcast. The following teaching is part six in our series, Hearing God. We have tangibles in how to hear God through scripture and from people, but how do we hear the voice of God in creation? What does it look like to set foot in nature and be engulfed by his presence? Okay, imagine with me, if you will, Jesus clouds. You, thank you. You know the ones. You're driving along on the highway after church or after dinner or work, and ahead it seems like the clouds have parted and sunlight is beaming down on something probably really glorious like the dump or the Vancouver Mall. <laughs> what started as an ongoing joke in our car about Jesus clouds turned into a sweet reminder of God's creativity thanks to my five-year-old son, Jet. But first, when I was five, I grew up near the Cascade Mountain Range outside of Seattle. It felt like any direction you were traveling, you would see a mountain. And if there wasn't a mountain, you would see the water or the forest. And from as far back as I can remember, my dad always pointed out the landscape around us, made sure we got outside. We hiked the summit of Pilchuck at like the age of seven, which if you don't know what that means, when I tried to do it at 25, I wanted to die. Um, We were a hardcore hiking family. But even if we were driving to the grocery store to a friend's house, you'd hear there's Mount Index and there's Helen's. And there was always a fact to go along with it, like dad's. As I got older and moved away, I realized I would naturally look for mountains wherever I was. I would look at the landscape around me and just be in awe. And I love that my dad instilled that wonder in me from a young age. And without being intentional, I realized I was doing that with my kids. I'd say, kids, look at Mount Hood. She's shining today. Wow, do you still see the snow? Did you know that people fly from all over the world to ski on there during summer? And so the process of turning into my parents continues. I grew up being amazed by creation because my dad was amazed by creation. He still is. He's a mountain man in central Washington, spending his days skiing and cycling and paddleboarding. Like many of us, he comes alive outside. As a mom, it wasn't a conscious thought to point out the windows and turn our gaze to creation. But as it started coming out of my mouth, I realized I wanted to be really intentional about where this beauty came from. It's the little things like pointing out to the sunset to Jet and saying, God painted that, or seeing a field of wildflowers and saying, God is such an artist. So back to the Jesus clouds. Not too long ago, we were driving in the car and sarcastically I said, look at the Jesus clouds. And Jet replies, God made that for me. He loves me. And in that moment, the Spirit of God spoke love over my five-year-old. Without words, without doubt, without even asking, all because Jet was looking for God in the wild. We are in week six of the series, Hearing God. We've spent the last month working through the theology of how to hear God's voice, how the foundation of it all is set on what scripture says, the different ways that we can listen and what it looks like to prophesy as a body of believers. If you've missed any of it, you can catch up on our podcast. Tonight, we are diving deep into creation, the planet and cosmos around us. How does God speak to us without words? Simply by being around water or gazing at the stars or looking at an infant. 
But before we go too far into how we hear God today, let's take a quick look at how God has used creation to speak in Scripture. We're going to hop through a few stories. Dallas Willard calls this list phenomenon and voice, meaning there was some sort of unexplainable cosmic moment and then usually an audible declaration of some sort. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, but it'll hopefully make the point that this sort of experience was not a one-off thing. All the way in the beginning, Genesis chapter 15, we read about how God first came to Abraham in a vision. Here is where God tells him he will be the father of a great nation. He tells Abraham in verse 5 to look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. He's using stars to get his point across. I have personally never successfully counted the stars, but this imagery must have felt insane to Abraham and his wife Sarah, who were getting along in age and they were unable to have kids. But as the story goes, they go on to be the patriarch and matriarch of the Israelites. Then at the end of the chapter, same chapter, in verse 17, this happens. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. And then God goes on to explain where his descendants will settle. So suddenly, fire appears and with a, in a torch and it moves and God says, this is the future. It's casual. Skipping forward to maybe one of the more prominent examples, Moses and the burning bush. In Exodus 3, Moses is tending sheep, and all of a sudden, a bush is just on fire, but the bush isn't burning up. In verse 3, we read, So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I love that this part was kept in Scripture. It reminds me that Moses was human, that he was curious and full of wonder. And then, once Moses makes the move towards the bush, Then it starts talking, like the voice of God is coming out of this fiery bush that isn't disintegrating. In Deuteronomy, we read in chapter 5, verse 4, the Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. We read more things like this in Kings with Elijah on the mountain. He senses God's spirit in the whispering wind. In Ezekiel 1 and 2, or the New Testament when Jesus is baptized, we have some literal Jesus clouds. The heavens open, the Spirit descended on him, and a voice from God spoke, declaring that Jesus was God's son. Or Saul, on the road to Damascus, on his way to find and prosecute the early church. In Acts 9, we read, starting in verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asks. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And then Saul is renamed Paul and goes on to lead the early church and author much of the New Testament. Now I can probably assume that no one in this room has heard an audible voice speaking through a tree with lightning shooting out of it. It seems that this is no longer the primary way we hear God through creation. But I wonder how many times God spoke to his children in the early church in profound but quiet ways that we just don't know about. So many times in the Gospels we read how Jesus would go up the mountain to pray. There isn't anything recorded in what was said in those moments or how God was speaking, but he was certainly no stranger to looking to creation and seeing reminders of God. 
If we've been around the church for a while, when we think about the idea of God speaking through creation, it can feel like a cosmic phenomenon is what we should expect. But let's read one more time in Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Dallas Willard said in his book, Hearing God, sometimes we get caught up in trying to glorify God by praising what he can do, we lose sight of the practical point of what he actually does do. And I don't know if I'm alone in this, but there have been times where I wish God would make my next steps clear like he did for Abraham and Moses and Paul. But as nice as it would be to physically hear something from a rock, we forget that just being in the presence of God's creation is enough to reconnect us with him. Instead of a cosmic anomaly, Sometimes it's a quiet nudge. According to a study done in 2019, spending 120 minutes in nature can, quote, significantly boost health and well-being. What's even more interesting is the study concluded you don't even have to spend those two hours consecutively outside. That for the simple price of about 18 minutes per day, you can feel better inside and out, which kind of feels like a scam. Scientists and researchers have proved that getting into creation is better for your breathing. If you have asthma or a respiratory disease, breathing outside is actually better for you than breathing inside. And if you don't have any respiratory concerns, being outside can actually help prevent them. Sunlight alone can improve sleep and help reduce depression symptoms. Look again in 19 at the very end of verse 6, it says, nothing is deprived of its warmth. It's almost like the sun gives life to those around it, plants, creatures, and humanity. Being outside has been proven to improve motivation, give you mental restoration, boost your immunity, and even protect your eyes from short-sightedness. Now, full disclosure, I am team no summer. It is the actual worst. If we could just have rain every day, that's my dream. My, yes, my personal... Northwest genes run deep, and it takes direct offense to heat and the glaring sun. I'm not a camper, and I haven't hiked a real hike in probably 10 years, and we don't have paddle boards because of toddlers. But even I have experienced what resting in creation can do for the soul, and how opening yourself up to what God may be saying has the potential to bring so much life. I'm honestly just starting to wade these waters alongside of you, how to be intentional with God outside. And in a world screaming at us in all these different directions, social media creating a distorted view of our worth, quick fixes, shortened attention spans, it makes me wonder if reconnecting with nature is part of the answer to feel settled again or grounded. And not just being one with nature or giving thanks to Mother Earth, but deeply breathing in fresh air 
and simply asking God, what do you want to say to me right now? Author Pete Gregg says in his book, How to Hear God, that God is rarely in a hurry to speak. And I don't think that means he doesn't want to speak to us, but I think it's because he knows we are wired for instantaneous results. When we converse with people, there's usually an immediate response, like, you know, people will talk back and forth. And sometimes we feel annoyed if there's a delay in a text or an unanswered phone call. I think Greg's point is that God loves to have our attention, to just be with us. And often, when we are after an answer, he's after our focus. Now, I may be team no sun, but I have experienced being in the middle of a forest with sunlight beaming through the pine needles, the crunching of ground beneath my feet, the smallness I feel in being absolutely surrounded by the giants that age out my grandparents, or the way my breath is stolen out of my lungs overlooking a scenic view, the rolling hills or a valley below, or the simmering ocean with no end. The way I can look up into a night sky and see millions of stars and feel minuscule. Again, from P. Greg, he says, No one ever stared up at a murmuration of starlings at dusk or out to sea under a stormy sunset and whispered, Wow, I am awestruck by my own magnificence. Human beings are hardwired to worship. You have been meticulously made with an extraordinary ability to walk and talk with God. We do not stand before the Grand Canyon or Joshua Tree or our very own Columbia River and think, wow, I am so amazing and creative and powerful. Even people who are not interested in hearing God's voice can't help but find significance in the majesty of creation. Even without acknowledging God as the visionary of our world, people spend their lives studying the healing aspects and the way nature speaks to them. But as disciples, with awareness of our creator God, we get to not only see our smallness, but stand in awe of our maker. We get to see his majesty and his power and character reflected in nature. And to take it another step farther, we then get to press into that intimacy that Jesus offers and says, what do you want to say to me today right here? Again, Dallas Willard says this, You may express your own mind both through the creation of things and in what you create, but you'll usually have to do more than just speak these things into being. We know that with his words, God commanded the ocean where to stop, the mountains to peak, where the rivers should flow and land to exist, where stars should hang and the sun to stay, that knowledge alone should leave us breathless, but how sweet of God to make it beautiful as well. My thought is, since his words gave creation their life, maybe they still hold a piece of his words in them. Maybe the imprint of their creator still gives voice to those experiencing their beauty, much like a painter has a specific style or a photographer a muse, there's a piece of the artist revealed in each masterpiece. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So how do we see or hear 
God and his work. For all of you note-takers, hearing God's voice in creation begins by being in creation. I know, it's revolutionary. But in all seriousness, we live, in my opinion, in one of the most beautiful places in the world. We have so much to see in our own backyard. And I know there's most likely a spectrum of outdoor people in the room, so let me paint a few pictures for you. Maybe you've experienced one or two of these. And we're going to try something a little bit different. Are you guys up for it? Yes. You said yes. Okay, it's nothing weird. <laughs> Just close your eyes. Everybody take a deep breath. And picture in your mind's eye what I'm describing. The smallness you feel by being swallowed by the trees in the middle of a forest. Or the peace you experience as you hear the roar of the ocean and feel the sea spray, knowing the tide stops at his command. The millions of stars that light up the night sky pointing to his majesty. A sunset that God painted for me. A snow-capped mountain peak that demands our attention. The spring blossoms of a cherry tree or the strength of tulips after the dead and quiet of winter. The eyes of a newborn first adjusting to life outside the dark womb. The richness and wisdom in the eye wrinkles of the one who's lived a life surrendered to Jesus. The way a river carves a path, pooling and slowing, then raging and careening. A waterfall plummeting down into a quiet pool. The yin and yang of tropical flowers and desert cacti. The shades of blue to pure white on ice walls that meet with aurora borealis in Iceland. The endless creativity of man and woman down to the grooves of our fingerprints. There is no end to his creativity, his glory, his majesty, or his power. You can open your eyes. Thanks. Some of these things are in our everyday lives. Some are more extraordinary, but if we look for it, we can experience God's voice, his peace, his comfort in the little things around us just by pausing and recognizing he's there. Which brings us to our next point. We can hear the voice of God in creation if we are listening. There are times that God breaks through our deafness to speak to us like Saul, but a majority of the time, being outside with expectancy creates a posture for you to receive what God might be saying to you. One of the things that separates us from all other creation is what Pete Gregg said earlier, that we have the ability to walk and talk with God. Yes, it looks different now than it did in the garden, but if anything, being on this side of the resurrection, we have access to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, something Moses and Abraham or the Israelites didn't get to experience like we do. We have the opportunity to converse with our Creator and I don't mean talking to the earth. God is not creation, much like we are not the things we create. I am not the knit hat that I made. God is not the river. God is God. Creation is not God. We do not worship trees or our gardens or the sea, but we can use those things to worship him, draw us back to him. There is an important dis distinction there. Earlier, I mentioned I'm not a hiker anymore, so in preparation for this teaching, I knew I wanted to put some of this into practice to be consumed with creation, but where would I go? For some reason, hiking was like the one thing I could come up with. 
For me, there's something about standing at the line in the sand that meets the sea and just watching the waves go in and out. So a few weeks ago, I took a day trip to Cannon Beach. My plan for the day was simple, just go. Just make space and be quiet and willing to let Jesus lead the day and my time. Once we found ourselves at the ocean, I went for a solo walk, and it was an average Northwest day. It was cloudy and gray, pretty mild, but a few things happened. First was just standing there and staring at all of the gray, and I don't think I have to explain it to you guys. Hopefully, you can picture this. It was all gray. (laughs) That's it. It's just gray. The waves, the water, the sand, the sky, the clouds, all of it was the color gray. Yes, beauty of the Northwest. But there was definition in all of it. It was all just a variation of the same color. And with each shift in color came new details, the texture of the sea foam or the fluff of the overcast sky, the glittering waves and the little bubbles popping up out of the sand. And as a very, very new watercolor painter, I can't even begin to wrap my brain around the complexity of creating all of those shades, all of which are gray, which is kind of a boring color anyways. But with only his words, God spoke, and this wild, captivating sea that I was staring at was born. Then as I continued walking along the edge of the water, I found this tiny sand dollar, the smallest one I've ever seen. It's probably the size of my fingernail. And I just held it in my palm. And it was so delicate in my already smaller than average hands. It was broken, and so I set it down and continued on. And as I walked, I was talking back and forth with Jesus. He was sharing really personal truths just for me, and it was so profound and intimate. And eventually, I make it to Haystack Rock. And as I'm staring at this massive rock, I just thought, God could hold this rock just like I held that teeny tiny sand dollar. And he just spent the last 20 minutes speaking life to me and specifics about my life that even I wasn't privy to yet. And it wasn't audible, but he just felt so close. And to me, this was such a profound example of the bigness of our creator God and the intimacy that he offers to each of us a picture of the all-powerful God and the tender good father. Now, intellectually, I know God could move whatever literal mountain he wanted to, but in that moment, it was just breathtaking, seeing the white seagulls speckled like tiny paint drops and the moss blanketing this massive rock. It forced me to pause and be reminded how big God is. Yet even in his bigness, he just wants to be with me just as he wants to be with you. This is something my son Jet understood all on his own, that in the vastness of the huge sky, Jesus clouds and all, that the beauty he was looking at pointed back to God, but also was personal for him. I think that one of the reasons Jesus asks us to have childlike faith is because kids have such an incredible wonder about them. They can teach us that God loves doting on us. They have the expectation that the beauty in the world is for them to experience. Which brings us to our next point, intimacy and wonder with God. It's hard to hear his voice if we don't know it. 
And if we talk ourselves out of his gift for us, we must hold on to the wonder of creation. What I mean by this is often we look at creation and we can explain its beauty. Wildflowers die, their seeds make it, the field regrow on its own. Or tectonic plates shift and that's how we get our mountains. Or this, this specific environment is perfect to make this flower grow in this particular shade. We explain away the wonder and the miracles of beauty. Now please hear me, I am not saying science is bad and we should not chase after our curiosity. I think it's incredibly valuable and important to have a deep understanding of the world around us and how we can best care for it. What I mean is, even if you can explain why something is breathtaking, you should still let the wonder of it envelop you. The credit should still go to God. There was a moment in motherhood, Jet was an infant, maybe three or four months old, and it was a pretty dark time for me. I felt useless and like I was already feeling as a mom and I'm only three months into this gig and I was feeling pretty weary. We were rocking in his room and I was mentally spiraling a little. We locked eyes and immediately the peace of God that surpasses all understanding washed over me. I felt God's presence so clearly. It was almost like a hug, and I got a glimpse into how God sees me, how he saw that I was showing up and doing my best, moving towards the light in the darkness. And I just had the sense that he was proud of me. And I remember breathing deep and restoratively, and without words, without grandeur, without even expecting it, God met me in the eyes of my child. I could say it was the hormones, or the baby smell. I could pin it on sleep deprivation or think, nah, that's just my imagination. But even though the encounter was unexpected, God meeting our needs is expected. I knew deep down that God loves to lavish his love on his children and that I am his daughter, so of course he wants to meet me in my dark night and shine his light. He wants us to hear from him. But not only does he want to speak to us, he wants to delight in us. Another way we can press into intimacy with God through creation is to reflect on what we learn about him through nature. We know he spoke creation into being, that he is an artist in the truest sense of the word. We know that his power, his majesty, and glory is reflected in creation, how he could just move haystack, haystack rock without hesitation. We also see his deep care for all things in creation. The Sermon on the Mount reminds us how the birds don't store away food, yet they are taken care of. Or how the flowers in the field are beautifully dressed, yet are gone tomorrow. Which moves us right into another thing we learn from God is his deep love for us. If he dresses the lilies and feeds the sparrows, how much more will he care for you? Even if it's in the gaze of an infant, if we are listening, he is speaking. Intimacy is not just a one-way street. It's moving towards God, in this case through creation, but also receiving his deep love for us in the process. Preparing for this teaching, something that struck me was that when God was creating the cosmos, he did not stop at functionality, nor did he pause at beautiful he went all the way to breathtaking. 
Every corner of our existence is filled with awe-inspiring magnificence. Do you see it? Can you recognize the way everything around us points to someone who knew what they were doing? Like the way the sun is perfectly situated where it does give warmth and life. They say if the sun is in an ever slightly different position, we would freeze or melt. Or how the moon pulls the tides or the stars just hang in the sky. Or when was the last time we paused and thought about the air we breathe or the water we drink or the food we eat? So much of our day is engrossed in our creator God. And when you pause to think about it, are we listening? I think part of the reason our solar system or the deep ocean is so mind-blowing is because he is the ultimate artist. God is where creativity and imagination begins. And maybe, just maybe, this artist, the one we ourselves get creativity from, wanted his children to delight in his work too. Maybe creation is intended for us to pause and turn our attention to him. Maybe the shades of green in a rainforest or the dimples on an infant's hands or the peace rivers seem to exude is not just a scientific thing to explain away. What if, when we look around the wilderness around us, we think, wow, God made this for a purpose and for me to enjoy? When our heart posture is in a place to expect and receive God's voice, it becomes easier to hear his voice in the wild. I know, it's hard to get outside sometimes. Silence and solitude, conversational or imaginative prayer, being in creation takes effort and planning and sometimes finances, and not everyone is in a place to do that. But wherever you are in your life stage, what does the next step look like for you? What does it look like to walk into this week expectant that the creator God wants to speak to you through his creation? You don't have to take a day off in the middle of the week. You don't have to drive to the coast or spend a Saturday hiking through the forest. If that's not your thing, that's okay. But what is your thing? Now, if all this is new to you or getting outside is hard, let's start here. Base level for all of us. When you are practicing hearing God's voice in creation, you go in with as few distractions as possible. Leave your phone at home or put it on Do Not Disturb if you're traveling. Don't check your email or your text messages. Don't post an Instagram story of your view and your coffee and your Bible. You don't need to photograph this moment, and others don't need to see it. It's for you and God. Psalm 121 verse 9, or sorry, Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? We can't look up at the mountains around us if we're stuck looking down at our phones. In order to tune into our surroundings, we need to tune out the static noise of our distractions. And not with headphones either. God's creation doesn't need a perfectly curated playlist. Now let's say you are brand new to this practice. What does it look like for you to find 15 intentional minutes this week to spend out to outside? It can be as simple as sitting on your porch or in your backyard or a patio or in a park. 
You can sit with your Bible and meditate on Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And then maybe ask the Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? We have spent weeks learning about how God speaks through Scripture. If this practice of hearing God in creation is new to you, combine the two until it's easier to sense his voice. It does not have to be the super complicated thing. You can lift off the pressure. Creation is beautiful enough. Breathe in the world around you a few times and center yourself to the Spirit and see what he has for you. Maybe getting outside is not hard for you. You thrive in the wilderness. But is it possible to renew the wonder in you? Maybe when you hike your favorite trail that you know so well, you can slow down. Not be pressed to rush up the summit or get your best time. This isn't a race. Whatever you're doing, go slow. Take in the details around you that point back to a creator who designed the intricacies that we often overlook in our hurriedness. Or go for a meandering walk, not to get to a specific destination or be really efficient or for any other reason, but just to listen what God may be saying to you by what you're seeing. I struggle with that a little bit. And I feel like kids are really good at this. Often it can be so frustrating. The block and a half walk to the park could take 15 minutes when it should be five but they take in the wonder of their surroundings and we can be reminded that we can do that too. Even if the route, the park, the hike, the beach is familiar, slow down and just take it in. Like all good art, the more you experience it, the more there is to see. God delights in you. He shows us every day, but I think sometimes we miss it. Sometimes it's in the tiny details, and sometimes it's in the double rainbows. Years ago, there was a viral video. A guy sees the double rainbow. He freaks out in the most wholesome way. He's just standing in awe. His mind is exploding, and a few minutes into it, you hear him start to tear up a little bit, and quietly he says, what does this mean? It's moments like this that when we are moved to tears by creation, instead of asking, what does this mean with a sense of unknowing, we can settle into the mystery and wonder as God's beloveds, as children who are delighted in by our good Father. We can then ask, what do you want me to know today? Maybe it's his peace. Maybe it's he wants you to bring joy. Maybe it's to get Maybe it's just to get us to draw our wandering hearts back to him. Now, the peak level of hearing from God in the spectrum is one that very, very few, if any of us, are truly at. It's the person who is so in tune with the triune God that even a walk to the mailbox is a sweet encounter with him. It's the fruit of years, spending time with God, honing in on what his voice sounds like, what his presence means in creation. I'm definitely not there, and it's okay that we're not there yet. But imagine with me a level of intimacy where double rainbows are seen as a gift and less like a beacon to draw us back to him. 
What would it be like to look into the eyes of my brother or sister and see the face of God, to love them like we love God, to look at the yard in front of our house or the field on our commute or the mountain we climb, and instead of ownership, we feel like it's a gift for us, a treasure for us to cultivate, to take care of and breathe in. And as we grow in hearing God's voice, we can be reminded that since God created the cosmos, We can use it as our beacon. Let the majesty and the mystery and the wonder of creation draw our focus back to him. What does he have for me today? As we move into a time of response, this quote that one of our overseers shared kind of has been just like clanging in my head. It says, the world will never lack for wonders only wonder. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to Van City. You can connect with us and find more teachings and available resources at www.vancity.church. You can support Van City financially at vancity.church/give.